Are you wanting to heal your relationship? Or maybe you're not sure, but you'd like to explore the idea, and that's led you to this podcast. I'm Morgan Robinson, and my husband, Brad, is an international affair recovery expert. Together, we founded Marriage Solutions, a multi-location group marriage counseling private practice devoted exclusively to helping couples heal and rebuild their relationship to stronger than ever before. In fact, we're the best-reviewed couples therapists in the Midwest. Go to HealingBrokenTrust.com and schedule your one-on-one coaching call today. That's HealingBrokenTrust.com. Welcome to episode 51 of the Healing Broken Trust podcast. I'm Morgan Robinson. And I am Brad Robinson. And today we're talking about the link between pornography and infidelity. Right, Brad? Yeah. Want to start us off? Yeah, this is an important concept. And, you know, pornography is obviously rampant in our culture and many times can have a role to play in infidelity. I guess the biggest role that it has in infidelity is basically when you're viewing pornography, you're fantasizing about someone that you're not married to or committed in a committed relationship to, and you are fantasizing about engaging in sex with them. You know, it's kind of common sense that whatever you fantasize about or dwell about or daydream about is ultimately what's gonna who you're gonna become and what's gonna happen. You know, professional golfers or professional athletes picture themselves, you know, having the perfect swing hitting a hole in one, and they do that so that they can accomplish that goal. Pornography is no different. If you're viewing somebody seducing someone else or people having sex, you know, in different scenarios that you can find online, all of that is, uh, you know, you're just mentally setting yourself up to engage in that later. And it, what, part of the problem is is that you really begin to accept it that it's normal. Like there's so many barriers that are taken away where you begin to really view it as something that's normal. Somebody who was really wise once said, you know, if you begin to lust after a person in your heart, you're committing adultery. You know, that's the first step to adultery is you begin to lust in your heart. Pornography is that first step for many people. Not everybody who has an affair was viewing pornography, but quite a few have been. And so pornography is that first step. And so when you're post-healing, you know, if you want to prevent another affair, uh, if you're wanting to prevent uh, an affair period, you need to really examine the role of pornography in your relationship and with you, with your spouse, and what's appropriate. That's the whole point, is your own self-gratification, your own self-pleasure, and you view that and it becomes to the point where it's just uh, normal. There's so many mental barriers broken and there's nothing normal about pornography. People don't have, you know, some marriages do, but not the average marriage have orgasms the way women have orgasms in pornography. It's just there's nothing realistic about it, and that's why it's appealing and enticing. It's not real. And if you get caught into that, culture and pornography can tell you that's that's really how it's supposed to be. And what ends up happening is people stop having sex with their spouse Reality can't compete with pornography. And so people uh, stop having sex with their spouse, start masturbating, and begin to have this these mental fantasies on their own. And then you have what's called the law of diminishing returns, which basically means, you know, the more you engage in something, 
like sex or drugs or something like that, the more you need it to reach the same high. Right. So it's almost like you've worn out your thresholds, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, we like to go to Disney World uh, on vacation and we were there just recently. And the first time we went, it was amazing. And all of you guys who've been to Disney World, you know how awesome it is. The first time we went it was amazing. But this most recent time we went, I was like, yeah, it's pretty cool. You know, it was okay. And I've and the time we went before that, uh, I told myself I'd be okay if I didn't come back for another 10 years. And it's a great place. It's the, it's the best vacation I've ever had in my life. But I'm looking for that amazing experience again. You know, I want it to be awesome like it was the first time. It's just not going to happen because it was all new. And that's kind of the law of diminishing returns. Like you go and, you know, it's, it's not going to compare to the first time. Like oftentimes like the first time you experience something is the, the greatest, you know, that you'll experience it. It's like drugs. I mean, you start out with a marijuana Absolutely. or something and then you, you, that's boring or it's not as, it doesn't satiate that need or satisfy that need. And so then you kind of, that's why they call it sometimes people will call it a gateway drug or whatever, but then you need a, a stronger one and a stronger one and a stronger drug. And because the hit just doesn't take you to the place you need it to, mm-hmm. to. That's why sex is not, like, the main point to intimacy, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it, it helps in intimacy, but it's not, like, the only thing that ties you to your spouse. There's all kinds of deeper romantic intimacy and, not, you know, non-romantic intimacy, but wouldn't you say, Brad? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And pornography, you know, just really, I agree with all of that. You know, I'm not an expert on drugs by any stretch of the imagination, but it has that same impact where it takes more and more to get a high. And so what happens is is someone might view pornography and like watch regular pornography. And then as that's no longer fulfilling, people will begin to get off into more kinky type pornography. And, and then they may not, and they'll have sexual fantasies that aren't really, I don't even want to say the word mainstream, but just, you know, that they're ashamed of they feel like are inappropriate so they don't share them with their spouse but because they have this urge and this drive and honestly what happens is is your sexual appetite begins to change Mm -hmm. and that's what's really scary about this stuff and this is for those of you with young children you need to really listen to this and this is going to scare the crap out of you but you need to really consider it what i'm saying and not just brush it off i'm not an expert in sex addiction i don't i've never claimed to be you know my expertise is in really the the healing process not in sex addiction but the old path of someone being a sex addict uh, that we knew, you know, 20 years ago in psychology, we would have said this is what makes someone a sex addict or an addict. They have a genetic tendency that's there. They had a failure to bond with their parents in the first two years of their life. They came from a really dysfunctional family. They, if they're a sex addict, they may have had kind of black or white religious, religious thinking in their family. And they probably had someone who's an addict themselves in their own family growing up. And they were exposed to stuff in their teenage years that they got addicted to later. Uh, and they experienced, if I didn't already say this, traumatic events, or at least one traumatic event. That's the old way someone became a sex addict. Today, all you need to become a sex addict is just three hours a week of viewing pornography to become a sex addict. That's how potent this stuff is. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't view pornography, but I am addicted to my phone. And that's without any pornography viewing on it. How the internet works, how there's instant gratification. Uh, and then you add pornography in the mix. And three hours, late, three hours a week 
to will begin to take someone who had no desire for pornography or have an affair and because it's so powerful and alluring, uh, that person can become a sex addict. And what this means for our kids is, and this is really disturbing, but it's unfortunately true. If, if our children are on the internet and they're unsupervised and, or they know how to get around privacy protocols and, you know, get past filters and things like that. If they're a child around the ages of like 12 or 10, you know, maybe older, maybe a little younger, and they're looking at people their own age, they will begin to develop a sexual appetite for someone that age. So if your child's 12, or take a child who's 12, and if they're viewing pornography of not adult women, but of other 12-year-olds. Because that's the normal. That because for, that's, what they're, yeah. that's who they're attracted to, the girl in my class that looks like this. Uh, and they want to see what does a girl my age look like naked. If they're looking at that, the unfortunate thing is, is it changes their sexual appetite, or it freezes it in time to where they're only attracted to 12-year-old girls. And so what we're seeing is, is we're seeing men who are growing up older and older who that's what their sexual appetite is adjusted to and changed to. So this pornography is a serious business. I know in our culture, and uh, you have to be like somebody on the religious right to not like pornography or you know, if you want to outlaw it or things like that. All I'm saying is, is this is dangerous because it is changing people's sexual appetites where you get, if you're 12 years old and you're looking at other 12-year-olds, or if you're 8 years old and you're looking at 8-year-olds, it will change your sexual appetite to where when you're 25 years old, you're not into 25-year-old women. You're not attracted to them. You can't get an erection. You can't get turned on. You're into, you know, what you were looking at when you were a kid, if you were looking at 12-year-olds when you were a kid. That's how serious this is. And so if you're a parent, you need to really take this to heart. Think about this, don't I? I know what I'm saying is outrageous sounding. And so you need to really take this to heart and think about it because this is serious, you know, and this crap is hard to change once it gets set in stone. You got to really work with somebody who knows how to help people through this. And it's a very long process. And so if this, if you have a child who's gone through this, I wouldn't be quick to throw the pedophile label around, but I would try to get them help. If you use words like pedophile and pervert and things like that, you're going to shoot yourself in the foot and cause them to have immense amount of shame. That's not going to help them get better. But you got to be really careful. You know, when I was a kid, if there was a Playboy magazine, it was older women. It wasn't 13-year-olds that were in Playboy magazine. Today with the Internet, you can find other 13-year-olds, other 12-year-olds. And uh, obviously that's child porn, so it's very serious. And so this is this is happening. This is happening with children that your kids are hanging out with. This may, be, may have even already happened to your kids. And so uh, I'm not saying your children are pedophiles or anything like that. I'm just saying you need to be aware of it and not bury your head in the sand and think it's not going to happen to you because you're in a good family and a good home and a good neighborhood. That's naive thinking. People who think like that are the ones who end up getting kicked in the butt because they're in denial about it. And so all I'm trying to say is you just got to be smart about these things and not be naive. You can get internet filters on your computer. Covenant Eyes is one. Uh, there's other ones that you can get. but you need, And you can also get them for your iPhone. You can lobby Congress. I know the current Congress, one of the things that they've wanted to do is restrict pornography, I believe, to put it instead of a .com website, to put it to a triple X domain so that it's easier for parents to filter out. You need to get involved in this and look into this, but pornography is a huge part of the oftentimes the affair process, how affairs begin, because you're mentally rehearsing it. So when someone hits on you, or that's all, you're acting out pornography fantasies. That's how often these things start. You know, obviously I don't, I don't watch this stuff, but there's kind of the 
different scenarios getting hit on and then you're off to the races after that yeah. it's just you're mentally rehearsing it and so it's a domino effect from there and the other kicker i would just say is this earl nightingale he's a he's like the the godfather of the personal success movement him napoleon hill he said and this is really important he said you become what you think about most of the time and so whatever we spend our days thinking about most often is what we're going to be pulled towards that's where we're going to head so people who get into pornography if they're getting into that they're going to eventually have an affair it's just a matter of time you know you're, you're just lowering the thresholds mm-hmm. they may not have already had one but you're just lowering the thresholds where it's very likely that you're going to have an affair i can't say that you're going to have an affair if you watch pornography but it's very likely you're increasing the odds in that favor because you're mentally rehearsing it right and some people feel that viewing pornography is equated with infidelity people feel cheated on when someone is viewing that so so some don't feel that way and some do feel that way so it's kind of also in the eye of the beholder right yeah Yeah, i'd say it's in the eye of the beholder like i've dealt with a lot of people whose husbands did look at pornography and they felt very betrayed and there was no difference between that and the client before them where their husband was involved in a you know lengthy affair it's very hurtful and damaging. It's very similar to the other healing, broken trust processes that we've discussed and talked about. If you are somebody who's addicted to pornography, you can get help, you can get better, but you've got to really, you know, take it one day at a time and invest in yourself. And if you're married to somebody who has that issue, I would encourage them to get help because you're going to need to see somebody who really deals with addiction to break this because uh, just the simple act of looking at pornography alone will not make you a sex addict. But it'll get you there in a way that nothing else before has gotten somebody there. Like in the old days, you know, you had to have all these family things happen to you and tragedy and trauma happen to you. But today, if you spend three hours a week, you know, it's for you're, you're on the path to becoming addicted to porn. And the more you look at that, the more you're going to start acting that out with prostitutes and other things like that. So it's really serious. Well, thank you guys for joining us today, and we hope that you have a great week. Yeah, thank you for listening, and I know I'm kind of sounding the alarm bell. Uh, When I first discovered these things and learned of them, it was terrifying me. Mm -hmm. You know, we have a young son, and really thinking of our nephews who are teenagers, because this is is what they face today that we did not face, and it's it's dangerous, because as as we get older, and as they get older, we're going to see this play out in their families and their home life. And I would also want to throw out there, too, I mean, it's not just our boys, it's our girls, too, our our females. It's attacking everybody. It's not necessarily a gender-specific thing. But but it is, you know, we often think of our young men, our our boys and our men, as being attacked with pornography. But I would also be careful with your girls, too. I would agree with all that. We just recently heard a story about a bunch of girls who, middle school girls, who the boys had convinced to... Uh, perform oral sex on them uh and this is just a nice white upper class neighborhood and because pornography normalized it and made it okay because they'd seen it online and the boys had talked to him and said hey this is what people do don't you want to be cool and the next thing you know these girls in you know nice neighborhoods everything else having oral sex on these you know 14 year old kids maybe even younger but they it begins to normalize it like this is normal and this is what you're supposed to do you know, we're not going to, we don't even know the kind of impact this is going to have on families, you know, generation from now. Uh, it's, you know, really damaging.
And so it's something we have to do to protect our families. Really set up the right protocol for our family. And it's going to be different for everybody listening, but you have to do what's right for your family. And you need to protect your children from this because we don't want them to make the same mistakes we made in our marriage. And we don't want them to end up getting betrayed or uh, or cheating on someone else. And so we really need to uh, help them have healthy, pure thought lives. Because what we think about most of the time is who we become. Okay, Morgan, I think it's time we better get off here. Thank you for listening, and we will see you guys next time. That's right. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to this episode of Healing Broken Trust Podcast. Are you ready to take the next step? Go to HealingBrokenTrust.com and schedule your one-on-one coaching call today. That's HealingBrokenTrust.com. Thank you.